Welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronic supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buteau, president of the Printed Circuit Engineering Association. My guest today is Robert Ferranic. Robert is a hardware designer with over 20 years experience in the electronics industry, and he specializes in PCB design, signal integrity, and high-speed digital design. In addition, he is also a self-described passionate content creator on YouTube, where he has developed a large series of help guides for PCB design and electronics engineering. His company, Fedevel Academy, also provides courses on electronics design. A busy guy. Welcome to PCB Chat, Robert. Hi, Mike. Thank you very much for inviting me. So I've been eager to talk with you for some time. Um, I, I really want to talk a lot about you know, some of the, uh, the, the tips and tricks that you provide, um, because I think that you're really adding a lot to the electronics industry here um, in terms of training the next generation and even the current generation of, of board designers and electronics engineers. But let's just start at the beginning. How did you get into electronics design? Uh, thank you for a very nice uh, words. I this is what I'm trying to do, and I really hope uh, people will people find the videos and tips uh, useful. And uh, it's basically all based on my experience, how I started. Uh, so to answer your question, I started my first projects at university, uh, but university never really taught like how to design PCBs and how to manufacture them, how to build real boards. After university, I uh, I found a job, a uh, really good job, and uh, there was no hardware department. It was only me and a friend of mine. And as I said, we just came from university. We had no idea what we are doing in hardware design. And uh, that's basically where I where I uh, did so many mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> many of my videos and tips. And that's how it all started. Yeah. So you came by all your tips and tricks honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I learned everything the hard way. So at what point did you decide to start sharing what you know with others? Uh, was there a grand vision or was it something that just, it started small and it just kept growing one video at a time? After I, I had this opportunity to work on complicated uh, designs and complicated boards in two different companies. I found out uh, it's very difficult to share uh, share these design tips and tricks because uh, everything is usually under NDA or it is uh, kind of uh, it kind of belongs the company, so people can't really talk about custom projects or company projects. And uh, when I uh, started doing freelancing, so when I left my everyday job, I was like, uh, many of these things what I learned in the during, you know, designing these complicated boards, many of them are very simple. You just need to know them, and that's basically how I started sharing this because they are not complicated once you know how you do it or how to do it. And I wanted to help this way, many people. So not complicated, but I'm assuming there are things you find problematic with the basic approach to PCB design today. Uh, 
Of course, I'm not. Uh, I now I don't mean like understanding. Uh, I don't know signal integrity or this kind of thing. But we can still go on some kind of lower level, like follow these rules, and your board will mm, work. Or, or uh, there can be tips like uh, when you are uh, creating schematic, then do it this way because. Uh, later, when you are working with uh, bombs and when you do component management, you will have this, 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 and these kind of problems. Uh, so these are, this can be like, uh, there are many simple tips which can be like super useful or even uh, without going into like this, uh, I don't know, simulations or or theory or, you know, it's, in my opinion, uh, it's always really good to understand, deeply understand what you are doing. But uh, everyone is starting somehow. And even when people are starting, sometimes they have to design more complex boards. And uh, if they follow some kind of these basic rules or good tips, they still can design really good boards, which will work perfectly fine, even without like fully understanding how it actually works. Maybe <laughs> this is not the best way to present uh, like how the design engineers work, but as I said, everyone has to start somehow, and you never start with everything, understanding everything. Of course. So, you know, it, what you're saying is it, it goes beyond just, you know, knowing how to use the tool. And there's more than one tool that you use in the process of uh, doing your, your videos, correct? Uh, yeah. So, basically, this is one of the questions what people ask me, like, which uh, software tool I like the most. Uh I don't have any um, preference. Uh, usually, I uh, use what is available or what I should use. For example, often when you work for a company, you have to use the tool what company has. Or, uh, uh, for example, when I left uh, my everyday job and I had to buy this kind of software, I bought the software which was uh, kind of cheap. It was Altium at the time. And now, uh, when I do uh, tutorials for people, and uh, I would like uh, them to focus on hardware design, I use Easy EDA because it's like you don't have to install anything. Uh, libraries are ready. It's very easy and very simple to use. And uh, it's not about the tool. Tool is just helping you to design what you want. And uh, often, uh, some of them are similar. If you understand how they work, some of them are very different, like Cadence. Uh, Allegro is like very, very different. Uh, but I think it's it's changing and it's now a little bit easier to use than it used to be maybe like 10 years ago. The shortage of seasoned layout staff creates an opportunity for printed circuit engineering professionals. Printed circuit engineering professional, a 40-hour course from the Printed Circuit Engineering Association, was developed by leading experts in printed circuit engineering layout with a combined 250 plus years of experience. The course covers approximately 70 major topics from circuit definition and schematic capture to layout and placement and materials and manufacturing processes. The course is supported by an optional certification exam endorsed by the PCEA. Classes are available now for registration. Visit PCEATraining.net for information. Um, you, you mentioned libraries. Now, uh, 
you know, when you when you worked directly for an OEM, did you have to create your own uh, libraries, or was there somebody to do that for you? I uh, always uh, so uh, in uh, in the companies where I used to work, uh, we always uh, created the libraries, and even after I started my own company, I always created libraries, and. Uh, the reason, uh, main reason is because when you are uh, designing uh, a board, which is going to cost, I don't know, $10,000 to build first prototypes, you really don't want to like mess up with, or you know, you don't want to make mistake in footprint or something like this. So, uh, um, and also you follow some kind of standards. Uh, you would like to use specific layers. You would like to do it, I don't know, specific way. And uh, you could always go on internet and search for footprints or for components, but then you end up editing them. So basically, I found out it's much easier just uh, to create them by yourself. And if you you have many uh, components already, very often you just copy and maybe edit few details, and you have new components ready. So that's uh, yeah, I prefer to create uh, my own components always. Do you tend to have conversations with the uh, the, the future manufacturer of the board, um, you know, prior to the to the footprint um, development process? I mean, you know, how do you how do you ensure that you're factoring in all the manufacturing constraints into your designs? So, uh, foot maybe not footprints. Uh, often, footprints are taken from uh, reference designs or from data sheets or from previous experience, or uh, maybe we use it in different projects. Uh, but uh, PCB itself, uh, definitely for a more complex design, uh, it requires to contact PCB manufacturer and talk to them. Uh, very often what I do, uh, when I, uh, because these talks, they can take a couple of weeks. If you are starting from beginning, you have like, if you have, for example, if you need completely new stack up uh, because you are designing uh, suddenly, I don't know, a board for a Zodim module or something really specific, then uh, it, it can take really long time to come up with the final stack up. So usually I uh, I have the I have this kind of process where I can start doing layout without actually knowing the final parameters of the PCB. And uh, it means I start with some kind of default uh, track width and default uh, space or clearance. And uh, I there are a couple of reasons why I do it this way. Uh, one reason is, as I said, if I uh, don't have the exact specification from PCB manufacturer, it would delay the project. So I just start with these default values. Then, uh, for example, second reason why I do it this way is uh, uh, these initial values are always designed uh, bigger as I will need them uh, on the final PCB. So, for example, when I use 0.1 millimeter or 4 mils in inner layers as the default value, I know the final track width for 50 ohm impedance is going to be somewhere between 3 to 4 mils or 0 0.75 uh, 0 0.075 up to 0 0.1 millimeter. 
And uh, this will uh, give flexibility for this uh, kind of board to be manufactured in multiple PCB houses because sometimes uh, they don't have specific materials, they have to adjust the track uh, width to you know, meet 50 ohm impedance and there will be this space always so they can very easily adjust the tracks. Also, another reason why I do it this way is when the final tracks are a little bit uh, thinner or narrower, uh, then there will be a little bit bigger clearance or space between the tracks, which may lower the crosstalk. There are, as I said, a number of reasons why I do it this way. One of the great debates in the ECAD industry is the use of auto routers. Where do you stand on that? Uh, I have. I wanted to create uh, a video about auto routers, so <laughs> I spent some time playing with, uh, I think, three or four different softwares. And uh, what I did... I uh, I have one finished design, uh, quite high complex uh, design, and it, I removed four tracks from this finished design, and I uh, imported this design into these four different softwares, and uh, I asked the auto router to finish these four tracks. None of them was able to finish it. And uh, that was the reason why I never really recorded this video, because uh, I was kind of disappointed. And uh, and I think with the approach uh, which we, uh, with this kind of approach, what we have seen in auto routers for a couple of, I don't know, 10 years, it's not possible to really create like a really good auto router. Uh, we will see what will happen with AI. Uh, because that can maybe help. Uh, and as we talked uh, last time about this topic, so I can mention this, uh, I think uh, uh, to do the auto routing properly is not only about uh, connecting the pins, but uh, understanding if these connections are correct. And uh, that's what is difficult on outer router. So uh, one of the solutions how this can be done is, uh, for example, uh, somehow connect the outer router with simulations. So outer router will know when it creates some connections. These connections are going to work well. There is no going to be crosstalk. Or, you know, the signal will be perfect. So this is how it should work in future. Uh, just connecting the pins uh, is maybe good enough for large PCBs, simple PCBs, but definitely not like for future PCBs. Right. So in other words, uh, the, the the place and route portion of the board design and the simulation need to happen concurrently uh, rather than sequentially. Is that a fair statement? I don't know exactly how this will be implemented. Uh, I think there may be more uh, versions. Uh, so it may be like uh, routed, simulate, uh, or route a couple of tracks, simulate them. If they are okay, route another track, simulate maybe. Uh, I don't think it will be the best like simulate everything or run 
connect everything and simulate everything, or maybe it can be option because maybe only some of the tracks will be banned. I don't know. But uh, I was talking, actually, I created a video with uh, one uh, guy. His name is Sergey. Uh, and uh, we create we created a video about how to teach a robot to walk, but basically his company is working on AI outer outer, and he explained a lot how um, how they are thinking actually do this. So it would not maybe even be like simulation and routing, but uh, for example, they would like to create a model because machine learning is using models for uh, decisions. They would like to create some kind of models which would be created based on the um, situations where this outer outer would learn itself on different uh, different uh, situations. So how the robot learn walk, like try all the kind of, you know, doing all the steps and then find out, oh, okay, I can do it now. So based on uh, like routing, simulating, routing, simulating, routing, simulating, it would, this outer router would kind of learn what kind of routing is correct. So it would not necessarily mean it would need simulate every time after it routed. It would just know it's routing properly. Right. And in, in the, the overriding concern is to reduce the number of iterations, right? To have the planning correct so that when you sit down to design the board and send it to manufacturing, you know it's it's accurate. Yeah, that's, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, and it will work. You know it, it's going to work. So let's talk a bit about Fedevel Academy. Um, you've prepared tips and tricks on a wide variety of topics. Uh, do you have any personal favorites? Uh, I'm thinking... <laughs> I think I created like hundred videos about these tips and tricks. And like asking uh, who your favorite child is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one was the favorite. I think the the very po very popular are usually about crosstalk or this kind of uh, things because that's kind of problem. What mm, I think everyone starting with hardware design they experience. <laughs> Like something, oh, what is happening on my board? Why, why it's freezing? Why is resetting? I'm, I'm getting all these, uh, you know, random interrupts, and this should not be happening. So what's going on? <laughs> so I think these like interruptives or uh, crosstalk tips probably are my favorite ones. Now, one of the things I think folks should know is that, you know, it's not just you speaking, you know, you do have guests on um, and you will talk about certain topics. And, you know, one of the things that I've noted in, in, in watching some of your videos is just how well you um, take a what can be a, a complicated subject, you know, some difficult concepts and, and make them very easy for folks to understand. I mean, I'm not an electrical engineer. I can absolutely follow what you're saying. Um, you know, do you put a lot of thought into how you communicate certain concepts or is this just kind of how you've, uh, just a talent you've always had? Oh, I'm not clever. That's why. Robert, you don't come across as being a university professor talking at a, at a 30,000 foot level about something and, and you're not so granular that people get lost in the physics of it. It's, it's, it's very easy to understand and, and put into practice in my opinion. It, no, that's, uh, 
thank you. First, thank you very much. That's what I'm trying to do. But what I wanted to say is basically because, uh, as I say, I'm not super clever. I never was like number one at university or in class or something. And it means uh, when I have this opportunity to talk to these very clever people, I always try to understand uh, what they are saying. So I have to somehow translate it to my language, <laughs> lower level language. And uh, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do in the videos. And those videos, you know, although we're talking in English, I know the videos are in multiple languages. Do you want to uh, provide a list for our audience? Uh, usually I do them in uh, in English. Uh, right, but the Academy has um, has the oh. option to... Oh, yeah. So uh, I... Usually when uh, I have a look on my YouTube statistics, uh, I can see the countries, uh, what uh, are the people from watching these kind of topics. So often, of course, most of them are like US, but then there is also like Germany, Turkey, UK, India. And uh, it means uh, these are mostly the languages which we use also in... uh, our courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and the courses are longer length. They're, you know, unlike uh, the YouTube videos, you know, your courses are actually uh, more in depth and they include, uh, you know, certification exams or other other tests to ensure that the uh, the students understand the, the, the concepts, correct? Yes. Uh, just recently I had uh, a call uh, and uh, the guy asked me like, why should I buy your course because you know everything is free on YouTube, and uh, the goal of uh, the courses what I create is uh, I try to put everything into one uh, package. It means you can find a lot of information on YouTube, but first you don't know if it's true. You don't know who is really creating the content and if they really understand what they are doing. What is their experience? Have they, you know, have they really done this before? Did they have then have they designed complicated boards? And also, uh, often on YouTube you only find uh, very focused topics. So if you don't know exactly what you are looking for, you may never find it because you never heard uh, about specific thing what you would like to learn about. So in the courses, uh, my goal in the courses is start from beginning and explain everything what people need to know until the finished product, for example. So uh, that's why I created the courses. Uh, Because uh, if you are starting, you really, for me, most useful is to see step by step. I I really don't like the kind of videos where... uh, you don't even see where people click or what are their settings and you try to replicate what they are doing and you are like, this doesn't work on my computer. So I always, I always when I create videos or, or courses, I try to do it step by step so everyone see exactly how I'm doing this and they can easily replicate everything. 
So Robert, why don't you tell our audience where they can see uh, examples of your, or where, where they can find you on um, in your academy and also on, on YouTube. Uh, so my YouTube channel, they can just search for my name, Robert Veranek. Uh, and uh, and uh, our courses are placed on federal.com. Uh, many people ask me, what does it, what this means, Fedevel? So it's from Feranek Development. Uh, so now maybe everyone will remember. <laughs> 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 because there are so many mistakes. Uh, Fedeval and, uh, you know, all the kind of uh, names I've seen <laughs> for my company. Uh, and a very good way to contact uh, me or connect with me is also LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot and I see... Uh, many professionals uh, actually use LinkedIn, and I think it works very well for uh, hardware design uh, engineers and you know group of people interested in electronics. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us on PCB Chat, Robert, and I hope we uh, talk again soon. Thank you very much, Mike, for inviting me and having me on your podcast. This is Mike Buto for PCB Chat. Have a good day. Mm-hmm.